0: This is the Day Camp Pod from Go Camp Pro, bringing you the best ideas, strategies, and discussions in the day camp industry. You can find our show notes at daycamppodcast.com. This day camp podcast is brought to you by our friends at AM Skyre, the leading insurance resource for many of the finest camps in America. For almost a hundred years, AM Sky has been a helpful partner with summer camps, ready to support any needs for arising in PR, legal, health facility, and much, much more. Experience the AM Skyer difference.
1: This Go Camp Pro podcast is also sponsored in part by American Camp Association, New York and New Jersey. They are dedicated to preserving, promoting, and enhancing the quality of the summer camp experience their professional development includes the one and only tri-state camp conference as well as many other conferences that can be found at aca-nynj.org
0: this day camp podcast is brought to you by crs commercial recreation specialists the fine purveyors of the best recreation products for in on and around your water check out their website at crs4rec.com crs is serious about fun Welcome back, my friends, to the Day Camp Mini Pod with Dr. G, Part Two. How are you doing, Dr. G?
1: I'm great, thanks, Andy. Wow,
0: I feel like it was like oh, two weeks ago that we just talked, but yeah, we we'll just—I <laughs> feel like uh, you know David Letterman on a Friday, like faking that whole thing. All right, so let's get to the, let's get to it here. So, what kind of things should we be looking at and making our staff aware? What, what's coming down the pike as we, as day camps, will have to be making changes? in order to keep our campers and staff safe in this, this crazy world we're in?
1: There are a few things that we need to think about. And one goes to the basics of, and this isn't going to sound basic at all, pandemic management. Right now, we're in this time called shelter in place. Whatever your area is calling it, that's right. what this is when you think about how to manage a, manage a pandemic. And it's the uh-huh. first management. So if we get to the, when we get to the second step, that part's called test and trace. And the reason that that matters when you're thinking about your business is because you have to assume as you're putting it together that somebody at your camp at some point is going to test positive for COVID illness. Sure. And I really want you to not say, well, if, because if language doesn't make us more resilient and it doesn't make us more prepared and it doesn't make your customers, the parents more prepared and it doesn't make your staff more prepared. So we're going to use when language because that's what we've always done at camp. We've always said when a kid doesn't want to participate in an activity, here's how you could handle it. Staff member, we've said when the bus runs late in the morning, parents, here's what we want you to do. When a kid gets sick during the camp day, here's what we're going to do and what we hope you'll do. So use that same when language to strengthen everybody. Also, when you use that when language about this, it doesn't look like your camp somehow failed.
0: Yeah, I've already started using the one language like that with my staff. I am definitely hesitant to do it with my nervous parents, but I definitely see your we point. get
1: that, but not only does it take the you failing out of it, because you've said, when this happens, hey, I've got... Andy, just for example, at your camp, how many humans walking around on any given day, including staff, support, campers, everything?
0: Yeah, yeah, 900. It's a small city.
1: Right. So 900 people who in the evenings, scatter to other places with other people and then come back.
0: Right. So, and, and and most young people are non-symptomatic, right? So even if you took their temperatures every day, you'd have no in idea.
1: In this country, we're seeing 50% of COVID illness has a fever associated with it, which means 50% doesn't. And that's the illness. You brought up a different thing, which is the asymptomatic carrier. So for sure, there's going to be COVID, there's going to be coronavirus, which is the, the virus at your camp this summer, no matter where you are. And will it cause COVID illness in someone? Well, even if we had reached the numbers that we were afraid we would reach in the U.S., and it looks like we might not, but even then, 95% of people, once we'd gotten out of that peak, would have never had coronavirus. Also, some of the early studies show, and this is just really recent, show that even people who've been hospitalized with COVID illness, some percentage of them don't have any detectable antibodies. So it might be possible somebody could get it again or carry it for sure. So we just have to think about this as one more thing that's going to be running around camp. Like hand, foot, and mouth disease, like strep throat, like, you know, right. There's just illnesses. MRSA, MRSA. MRSA. You, <laughs> you, if I said to you, well, and not, not thinking about coronavirus, just in general, if I said mm-hmm. to you, well, if a kid got sick at camp this summer, you'd be like, if? <laughs> if there was a day where a kid didn't get sick at camp this summer. There's not oh, yeah. people at my hey, camp.
0: Look, we haven't had lice in like four years. I just, I say when about that constantly. And people try, people go nuts when I say it, but it's just, you know, come on.
1: Well, they don't just go nuts. They start itching. Yeah. (laughs) Right? They start scratching. (laughs) But so I understand that this is frightening and I don't mean to make light of it. But that when language will help you, your staff, your parents, and your campers understand why you're going to change some very basic things like hand washing. You're going to change where there's hand sanitizer available and you're going to become, if you haven't been, as strict about hand sanitizer as you are about sunscreen and water bottles. You already know. How to remind kids of danger and encourage them and teach them and teach them to be advocates for themselves and stronger at keeping themselves safe. You already know how to talk to staff about the dangers that can befall kids if they're not on them to drink water and use sunscreen and do they have it with them? And if not, you gotta send them someplace to go get it. You can't ignore it or say, okay, it's no big deal this time. And that I think will be easier this summer than it's been before. One of the things, though, that I really you could be doing now that's in in the weeds suggestion is you're going to need to have more communication with your staff's doctors than you've needed to before. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to not just have them have had a form signed, you're going to actually have to know how to find out if they've been ill does that doctor feel that they're really cleared to return? And if they have been tested, because testing. I very much hope and believe is going to become much more ubiquitous and to understand, are you, you know, how to have access to their test results. So having a release of communication form signed between you and your staff members, primary care provider, is something you probably have not done, but it's no. important form to
0: adapt. Yeah, Day camps have been very uh, fortunate compared to resident camps in not having to do all this compliance you know, in the medical areas. So that, that is an interesting thing. So I think what we're trying to say, and for those of us that understand what I'm talking about, day camps are going to have to be a lot more like resident camps in that regards, right?
1: In your health center and health information way, yes. So this could, and I would think, would at least in your staff pack, packets, And I use packets in this very nice 1995 kind of way. I know it's electronic (laughs) now, but in your staff packet and maybe in your camper packet, it's worth considering having a release of communication form, you know, please uh, sign this with whoever your camper or your own provider, primary care provider is, and sign that I can talk to them and, and please get in touch with them and sign something that they can talk to me because that will make it easier for me to let you back into camp. (laughs)
0: yeah and i'd say that most day camps don't really have relationships with doctors um it is a form that just has to get signed kind of thing um but yeah uh finding local doctors it is something that i have done a, a number of times um and and there's more and more of these like health groups out there that are that are creating these localized strip mall kind of versions of places for people to walk into those people are happy to make relationships for you and for you to be recommending them and sending people their way. Um, also a lot of day camps, you know, it's, it's a money thing. They have, it, you know, hiring nurses, like a lo- you know, enough yeah. that, that is needed. I think a lot of camps in the past have hired barely enough, right. Meaning usually one, right. We've had two, maybe it's time for three um, in regards to these kind of uh, situations.
1: I absolutely think that the earlier you want to be able to start your summer and the better you want to be able to handle exposures and things like that, the more you're going to need a medical, cohesive medical staff could be all nurses. I mean, I'm not trying to say what the makeup Mm -hmm. of that staff needs to be. You could even maybe have some MAs, some medical assistants who don't have as much training and aren't usually paid as much. But a cohesive medical staff with somebody who's directing that staff, that's going to know your kids and your staff's files, that's going to know the people, that's going to have enough person power to get out and see how kids are doing and talk to them and see how staff is doing. That's really going to make a difference, both in terms of those nervous parents, look how we beefed up our medical staff this year to handle this, but just because of the needs on the ground. And I would love for you to get to know, not just in a, I have to make sure that I check their boxes, but in a real relationship way, your health department.
0: Mm -hmm. so thinking ahead right and I know we're just hypothesizing here
1: Mm
0: -hmm. imagine um three months from now a day camp running right and kids coming in off these buses on a daily thing or being dropped off by their parents Uh, I have one uh camp director friend that doesn't want to do busing this year just because he thinks that that he's eliminating a variable by doing that but um so, like, like you said, we don't know who these people are coming in, like, like what they're coming with and all those kind of things. Do you see a situation like like we're seeing in China now where people are, t- are checking temperatures and all that kind of stuff? Because you had said to me, everybody's got a fever in the summer during camp. Like, they're all running around, you know? So, like, how are we going to know unless we hear a kid coughing or a kid's, like, passing out? How are we going to know? And the same thing with a staff. We hire all these resilient staff that like think that they're in the middle of a war every day, you know, like we have to pull them off the, uh, you know, the field.
1: So I think that there are a couple of things to keep in mind. And one is you're not going to be able to know if you have coronavirus at your camp, whatever your municipality or your state requires of you, you know, if they require temperature checks every morning on the way in for your staff or for your campers, you may have to check that box, but it's not going to answer the question. So I, I, hope that it turns out not to be what's required because it would really be wasted person-powered. Mm-hmm. But the, um, it would serve as a reminder for why we're all washing our hands so often and why we might be keeping a little bit more distance or playing different games or handling things differently, but it would only be useful as a reminder, not as actually a way to know where the coronavirus is at your camp. But you are going to have to keep an eye out for COVID illness because a kid who's having a cough, a kid who has a fever, a kid who has shortness of breath, Um, And we should note, as you guys all know, that um, getting overheated in the sun shouldn't cause your core body temperature to rise significantly. Otherwise, there's a different, there's a problem going on there. Mm -hmm. But when, but there are lots of things that can cause kids to not feel well in the course of any season, certainly summer. It's still going to have to be something that you're keeping an eye out for. Just like when we had Measles in the community, we had to check every kid with a rash or a fever to see if it was measles, even though it mostly wasn't. So, absolutely, we're going to have to keep an eye out for COVID illness.
0: But if you were a small day camp and you had the personnel and you had the technology, so if you had a digital thermometer, right, that can, that can read off people's wrists or whatever, you know, even sticking it in their ear or whatever, right, theoretically, when kids come in in the morning and they're pretty, you know, heartbeats like level like you know they're not sweating yet and all that kind of thing like everybody's temperature should be normal at that at 9 a.m when they get to camp right
1: uh their their internal temperature should be within their own range of normal that's true Mm -hmm. but the lack of a temperature doesn't indicate a lack of coronavirus that's why i'm saying i don't want us to have
0: to right but we're looking for the symptoms like you said right and fever and cough are the big two that we're going to be able to 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 see
1: And I think that telling your families and your staff that you are going to be more vigilant and have an itchier trigger finger about sending kids back home as soon as they seem unwell in any tangible way uh, is going to be really understandable to people. I don't think you're going to get as much pushback this year when you call and say, little Billy doesn't seem himself. We'd like you to come and pick him up. I think everybody, whether they like it or not, is certainly going to understand.
0: Right. It. And, and now we're, we're veering into the business of camp for a second. I just want to say that the questions I've been getting from parents in this realm, then quickly hop over to, so if you make my kids stay home because they're showing, you know, coronavirus symptoms, are you refunding me those days? Great right? and so so I mean that's day camp thinking. It's very transactional in many ways, and I encourage you all to say yes, <laughs> absolutely, right. We're all in this together, and this is not a time to be thinking greedy but to be thinking generously. These people will be very generous in sending their children to your camp post pandemic, and that's the way I would want to frame it.
1: I can totally understand why that would be, um and I can see from the point of view of a camp that says, but that's gonna urge me away from sending home a kid if i think they're probably oh, boy. Fine, oh, I hope right not. and so that makes me a little bit nervous as a doc to say <sighs> that the camp's going to be financially penalized because it's also possible i think and i'm thinking now as a day camp parent which i have been for a bunch of summers if you can say to me Hey we're gonna we for the first two days that that happens we're, we'd like to not refund your money because we want to keep the staff here for when your kid comes back and we want to keep our programming as robust because eventually if you're really reimbursing if it's transactional day by day and it's become a daycare kind of setting, I
0: mm-hmm. think in
1: some ways you're undermining your own mission
0: It's true you know the, the local health departments uh, in these states uh, they don't know what to do and they're thinking well what if We find, what if there's a confirmed case of coronavirus at a camp? Do we shut the whole camp down? Like that is what they're debating
1: right now. And some places will. I -hmm. I can't tell you where, but I can tell you that part of test and trace is that once you've traced to a certain uh, level, whatever they decide that level is, then that community or that school or that camp or whatever closes down um, for two weeks and mm-hmm. gets tested. And once everybody's passed that two weeks, then they can open back up, which means that 2020 um, is going to be choppy and uncertain no matter oh, what. That's for
0: sure. And that, you know, but what you just said about a whole school closing down for two weeks, right? It's just so nuts because, you know, like we started off this mini pod by saying, there's, there's always going to be someone that's got some traces of it somewhere, whether they're showing it or they're not. You know, if you've got hundreds of humans together, yeah. I mean, unless we find, you know, hopefully, you know, the warm weather just makes it all dissipate, but I doubt but it. Being I, I want to
1: say that just like a lot of people said, social distancing won't solve this, but it sure has helped. Mm-hmm. Test and trace doesn't solve it either. For that, we need a vaccine and a cure. But test and trace does help. So have faith in that system, as I hope you're having faith in, the, um, in social distancing to be the next right phase until we get to treatments that work and vaccines that prevent, because then it just becomes like every other illness, you know, like pertussis and uh, measles and other things where it's really bad if it gets out there or influenza, it's really bad if it gets out there, but we have ways of handling it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we are all learning. We're all figuring this out. I, uh, I know the American Camp Association, uh, the national organization has a COVID-19 page right now with a bunch of resources. Uh, there's some really good stuff there written by Linda Ersig from the National Association of Nurses, uh, Camp Nurses. That's terrific. And I know that we're working with, um, with, with experts in the field who do uh, preparation for how to prepare hospitals and keeping them clean and such. So we're looking forward to that stuff coming down the pike. Um, If someone wanted to reach out for you, Deb, uh, in consulting in this area, can you give them some info on that?
1: Absolutely. The easiest way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is askdrg.com. And if you would like to reach out to me over social media, you can find me on Facebook or in summer camp pros. And I just want to encourage everybody who's doing any of the things that you just talked about, Andy, in terms of learning about how to keep camp clean or buying pallets of hand sanitizer, whatever you're doing, I really encourage you to include some of that in your current social media and in your reach outs to families, be as transparent as you can because everybody knows that this is a new time what they want to know is that you're thinking critically about this and you're trying. They don't expect you to be perfect, but you will really reassure them and earn their trust when you show that you are working on this every day.
0: That's a great point. I personally don't use the term COVID-19. I, I sort of treat that like Voldemort with my camp families, um, <laughs> but I am transparent in the kind of things that I'm doing and the fact, and I, and I give them updates that I'm talking with my my health people, my nurses and such, and that we, we're we're Really, you know, I got to tell you, the maintenance people have been a struggle for us because these are people that are so used to just running it back, you know, like they're like the the kids that just have the patterns, you know, and I'm like, wait, (laughs) we got to stop. We got to think about this. And they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. Right. And for those of us in food service, right. You know, we, my wife and I would walk past the kitchen. We always are shaking our heads. Like, I can't believe they didn't put gloves on for this and that kind of thing. Like, we're going to have to just really, really tighten up in these areas like never before.
1: But we have the motivation because everybody wants to keep themselves and their families and each other healthy.
0: Yeah. And everybody's now been conditioned for what will soon be two months. So (laughs) what can you do? Thank you, Dr. G. Absolutely. I so appreciate it. What a official friend of the pod. Dr. G, Dev Gilboa, and we want to thank our producer, Matt Hansberger, and the Go Camp Pro team, and our dedicated sponsors, ACA New York, New Jersey, Commercial Recreation Specialists, and A.M. Skyer for allowing us to bring this podcast to you. If you don't want to miss an episode of the Day Camp Pod, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever the heck it is, all right? Check out the show notes from this and other episodes at thedaycamppodcast.com, as well as contact information for our show, our hosts, and our guests. Thanks for listening and making yourself a better Day Camp Pro. We'll be back real soon with another episode of the Day Camp Pod. The Day Camp Pod is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants.
1: Thanks for listening, friends.
0: Hey Camp pros! we love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker Podcast, Conference, Summer Camp Professionals Group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more Camp pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.